You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. This is Brady Hoke. And if I know one thing, it's bad college football. That's why I'm here to tell you about the Shutdown Fullcast, a college football podcast so bad that it's mostly not even about football. Every Wednesday, you can listen to Spencer Hall, Jason Kirk, and Ryan Nanny ramble about grocery stores, John Gruden's secrets to everlasting wealth, and unsolved murders. The Shutdown Fullcast. We're very sorry. Hi, welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast, part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today, Mike and I got into a little bit of a, a mailbag. We did uh, some crowdsourcing. We wanted to figure out what people were thinking about, what the questions were uh, that people had about free agency, um, the future of the Eastern Conference, the Houston Rockets team to be with Carmelo prospectively on his way there. So we got some great questions from our awesome listeners, and we dove, uh, dove right into those. So I think what you'll get here is a little bit of a mixed bag uh, jumping around the league, but ultimately, hopefully, the hard-hitting questions of the offseason were mostly covered. Um, before you go ahead and listen to this podcast, though, and we always ask for this, and of course, we know the questions are great because we get them from you guys, just like this podcast was based upon. So please subscribe, rate, and review. Give us all those good things and continue to send these feedback, uh, this feedback and the questions and all the good stuff that we get from our listeners on a podcast and podcast out basis. Um, you can send those questions to MikePrada at SBNation.com. That's email. You can also hit us up on Twitter at SBN at limited underscore upside. Uh, and at EpiBen. And of course, you can always find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, and always on platform at sbnation.com backslash NBA. Uh, this will be the last pod, maybe for a little while. We might have an NBA Summer League recap coming at you later in the week or early next week. Then we're going to take a little break. And then we're going to come back later in the summer with our 30 NBA team preview where we tap into our local communities. And we start with the Nets and we work our way up to the Warriors, from worst to first. So that'll be coming later in the summer. Obviously, be on the lookout for that. But until then, enjoy this episode of the Limited Upside Podcast. Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. I'm Ben. I'm here with Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey. It's, what's up? Uh, it's just us today. It's just us. There's no guests. We're in, you know, a little secluded area here, as we like to be. Um, and, and we don't have any guests because we decided to crowdsource this episode. This is the NBA offseason. It's the most exciting time of the year. Um, <laughs> it's funny how that works out, but it's true. Season ends, you get the finals you want, and then you get the exciting stuff, mm-hmm. which is someone was see. Someone who's not a basketball fan was telling me, like, wow, your offseason is really – there's a lot going on. Like, is the offseason more interesting than the regular season? Like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. is. Well, you get to remove that whole basketball thing from it. You know? Right. <laughs> the sport we cover, you don't, we don't have to worry about. <laughs> yeah, which is nice. And that leads us to the uh, mailbag that we decided to do for this podcast. So we, we put out a pretty simple request here. Send us your questions that have to do with free agency, summer league, you name it, just what's happening in this offseason. And we got a lot of responses. So first and foremost, thank you mm-hmm. uh, to all of our listeners and people that follow Mike and, and Limited Upside on, on Twitter. Um, we got and a lot you. of great questions. And me, but to a lesser extent that. But we appreciate these questions, and we always ask for them. So getting these was great. Um, and it's going to help shape this pod because we're going to try to get to as many as possible. So let's start right from uh, – Mike, Mike, do you have a, a, a I, central one you want to start with here, or is there a way that you want to So let's So let's do this. I, nobody asks this, but I'll ask you because we haven't <laughs> talked about free agency. What, was, what do you think is the most important move that happened 
for the for the kind of balance of power in the league. Sure. Um, in the last few weeks. So for balance of power, I yeah. think it's Chris Paul to the Rockets. Um, if if for no other reason, then it creates at least something that we can talk about in terms of a head-to-head matchup with the Warriors that's going to be interesting and a little bit unique, which is Chris Paul has always kind of had his own, I'm not going to call it a Clippers-Warriors rivalry, but a Chris Paul versus uh, the Warriors rivalry. I mean, there was a Clippers-Warriors rivalry. I mean, rivalries usually entail that one team wins, the other team wins as well. But this was more of an animosity that he <laughs> animosity. was sort of the leader of, I'd say. And that's yeah. always been Chris Paul's MO. Like, look, he's a hard-headed dude. He's a, an exceptional point guard. I think this is the best opportunity he's going to have to have both an offensive-minded coach, someone to work off the ball with him who could take away responsibilities for ball handling because some of the best moments in Chris Paul's career are when he is more offensive-minded, looking for his own shot. Um, I'm a fan of the move for, for no other reason than the Rockets were close last year. This makes them better. How much closer does that get them to Golden State? So in terms of moving the needle for competitive, if Golden State's at the top, this is the move that I think is most interesting uh, in that regard. Overall, I think the Hayward to the Celtics is the biggest shift of power. It takes a climbing the ranks Utah team, knocks them down, takes a Celtics team that has been making moves in, in every way possible to get guys like Hayward, validates that a bit. They kept all their assets. They didn't make any of the trades. It would have been the, Chris, uh, the Paul George or Jimmy Butler or anything like that. So Not yet. Not, not yet. So One day they may finally pull it off. Yeah. So Sorry, I'm just trying, no, to, of stoke, course, of course. I'm just trying to stoke your Celtics hatred uh, a yeah, little bit. Well, You're being too nice right might, now. That was a great move. And, and I think you know ultimately they probably got the free agent that fits their needs the most. Free agent, I said, not uh, in a trade. Obviously, Paul George may have been a little bit better in the needs category. So those would be the two. I mean, look, those are those are shiny, fancy ones. They're two of the best players in the NBA, top you know, 15 guys, if you will. Um, so it shouldn't be a big surprise that I picked those two. Mike, who are the, who are the not top 15 players that move that excite you? Oh, okay, because I was going to actually say that I think that the most important move is the one you didn't mention. Who's that? Which is Paul George to Oklahoma City. I think that has a significant potential to change. It could, if he wants to stay, create a new power in Oklahoma City. Um it takes a team that was pretty irrelevant last year and makes them relevant mm-hmm. in a way that just having Westbrook doing his MVP thing wouldn't have done. Like, how good do you – like, I'm excited about that team. I don't know how good they are because uh, there's a lot of competition, but, like, what are the chances that you think Oklahoma City is better than Houston next year? Hmm. Well, they played in the first round this year, right? Yeah, and so obviously yeah. Houston has more talent, and we're assuming yeah. Melo probably ends up there at some point. Yeah, it looks like he's on his way. Yeah, so – but are they? Do they fit well together at the same way? Like Oklahoma City, like the the basketball fit, like actually is pretty. Seamless. Yeah, I feel like if you were Sam Presti and you had a um, like a wish list for the offseason, he got like everything mm-hmm. he wanted. He resigned yeah. the guys he wanted. He traded the dead weight that definitely wasn't going to push them forward, and got a the you know arguably the best player who was available. Mm-hmm. In, in you know in the sense of what availability is here, free agents aside. Um, yeah, I mean. Look, I'm a big Oklahoma City fan. You know this. I've been a supporter of Russ, getting him the right players. In a lot of ways, Paul George is probably a better complementary piece to Russ's game than KD. It doesn't mean he's better than KD. He's not. No, I mean— But he he complements him. He's— He's a little more deferential, I suppose. Absolutely. Well, uh, we hope we would assume he will be here. Yeah, I guess it's we'll going to work. Um, <laughs> but like Rob, getting Robertson, uh, you know, Patrick Patterson was a great signing. Patterson was a great signing. I mean, they the build a team to compete directly with the Warriors, but also I think what you're getting at here, uh, yeah, they could be better than Houston for sure. I mean, what are the chances you think? Uh, 25, 30 percent. Yeah, yeah, I might go around that. I mean, Houston was. I mean, they were not 
the Thunder were not that great last year. Yeah. Even in wins, they were probably outperformed their differential. But like, oh, Houston will probably have one of the top offenses in the league. I remain a little skeptical that that's going to work with Paul and Harden. I just think that's a big adjustment for both of them in terms mm-hmm. of they're used to dictating so much. And then you throw Melo in there. I mean, that's a whole other adjustment. And with D'Antoni and I, I just I'm not sure that's going to be so easy, seamless fit. I hope it is because I mean, there's a lot of like, oh, those guys are smart to figure it out. But like, there's a lot of things they have to unlearn. Well, let's let's ask. We got a couple questions here about yeah. Carmelo with that fit. So let's mm-hmm. let's make that segue. Um, let's see, uh, Aubrey Fitzhenry, who appreciate the question here. Um, if Melo was on Houston, basically in place of Anderson. Um, what does that Rockets team look like? Like, so, what does Anderson, who is very differential and knew his role to a T, look like when that's now being replaced by someone who has never filled that role in Carmelo? Well, unless he's in the Olympics, <laughs> Olympic right. Melo would be amazing for them. Yeah, I guess let's assume that Anderson goes and they don't lose any other key rotation players, which I don't know if it's a fair assumption. Uh, but you have your starting lineup of Paul and Harden. Uh, Trevor Ariza can take all of Melo's tough assignments. I mean, that's that's a pretty good thing. Although he is only one player playing the perimeter. But Chris Paul is a great perimeter defender as well. You have Capella to clean stuff up. And then you have Gordon off the bench. You have P.J. Tucker if you want to get more defensive-minded in the starting, you know, playing. You have still Nene. They're a little shallow after that, but you imagine they could get somebody else. Uh, I think Troy Williams might play for them next year. I think he mm-hmm. that's a little a sneaky under-the-radar, like kind of random D'Antoni dude that plays well for them. I could totally, totally see Troy Williams mm-hmm. being that guy. So that team – Obviously, is loaded talent-wise. If Melo embraces his secondary role and just shoots the ball from three a lot, I think they could be great. I don't know. They had such a great synergy last year, and now yeah. you're throwing so many new pieces into the mix. Like I, Paul and Harden, like they they say right now that they are going to play off each other and they need somebody to handle the ball. That happens a lot when you like are in the play. They've just both finished the playoffs with teams that needed them too much, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Clippers didn't have Blake Griffin, and that's why Chris Paul had to carry such a heavy burden. Harden, obviously, we know the burden he carried. It's very easy now to say, yeah, I want another dude to work with me. Right. What happens if it's in the middle of the season and you know you are trying to work towards the spot of we can play together, but there are a lot of habits that they have to unlearn, and it's hard to do that. Let's say they they don't get off to a great start. You know, Let's say that they're, I don't know, 50. 15 and 10 or like 15 and 11 uh, in mid-December or whenever that that time is are mm-hmm. they their natural instinct both of them is to kind of take a lot on their shoulder and kind yeah. of what how are they going to manage that yeah I don't know I think that's a I think it's possible you you made the point that you think they might be worse in the regular season and better in the playoffs like I yeah. can totally see that and look D'Antoni's a great offensive mind I still have questions about you know he hasn't he's been at his best when he kind of has his guys playing his way doing his thing he hasn't been as successful when it's a lot of stars that he's trying to get them on the same page. Right. That's that's a really good point. Um, because last year, and again, we've used this stat a number of times on here. It was a startling stat last year, which was that Houston um, had the fewest amount of passes or second fewest amount of passes and the highest uh, percentage of assists mm-hmm. from Harden. Right? Because so he's dribbling. He's, he's, he's the guy making the play. That's how he's the guy making the play. And that offense was unbelievable last year with that. Right. Mm-hmm. Now you bring in, in theory, say Carmelo joins the team and Chris Paul. Those are both guys who like to have the ball in their hand, and their entire career has been predicated upon being the guy who has had the ball in their hand to either shoot or make the decision about who's going to get that shot. Um, to, a, I mean, to a lesser extent, Chris Paul, because he's a, you know, a great point guard, but 
he's had that decision-making process in his hands. Um, that's where Harden excelled. We had a good question here from uh, at Ranger Rags. Um, how many assists per game do Chris Paul and Harden combine for, and whose assist numbers drop off more from last season? Where where they averaged last year? I looked it up. Um, Harden obviously was over double digits. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that his will drop considerably yeah. because he doesn't have the ball all the time. Uh, Paul, they'll they'll probably play faster than the Clippers did, so mm-hmm. maybe his numbers will kind of stay steady. I mean, he was at nine point two. Chris Paul, mm-hmm. um, Harden. I mean, this is a this is a really good question because you're talking about two players who have the ball in their hands a lot, and I think the D'Antoni system is sort of predicated on one dude gobbling up all the assists. Yeah, yeah. Harden averaged eleven point two. Like I would, it's a crazy number. I and mean, they're not both going to be over eight, are they? I mean, that, I was going to say, isn't the solution here that they both have around eight assists a game? <laughs> so they combined for yeah. uh, about twenty point something last year. If you just add in their their. If they both have eight, they're down to 16. Like I think them both having eight is going to be a real challenge. Yeah, it will be. But, I mean, you, you bake in a few assists a game that are just going to be Capella dunks. He's going to run the rim as well as DeAndre Jordan. He already yeah. does. Plus, they so. are going to play a lot separately. That's that, right. That's a good point, too. Yeah. But Although, maybe not both with Capella. But, yeah. Sure, sure. And then there's a lot of assists that are built in and baked in here. And I don't, I don't know what percentage of those last year for Harden were, look, I made one pass and Eric Gordon shot a three. I made one pass and, and, and Anderson nailed a three. Right. So those are still going to be on the table. It's just a matter of who makes those passes. I, I think the, the key here is that their offensive efficiency doesn't waver that much and it could still be extremely high with with those players um any other things like uh, when it comes to this rockets team the rockets were a hot topic here for a lot of the questions we got more people just interested to know like is this carmelo thing going to dispro- or, uh, uh, negatively affect what we already know about james harden from last year and what we know from chris paul's whole career um, neither of them has ever played with a Carmelo-type guy. Um, but Carmelo's never played with guys like this either in his entire career, other than yeah. Team USA, and he's very differential, deferential uh, on Team USA. It's been the only place he's won. Now, granted, <laughs> speaking of winning, and I should say he did the same thing at Syracuse, but even at Syracuse, he had other players he trusted because yeah. at a collegiate level, McNamara and Key Mark were really good. Um, so I guess what I'm getting at here is, is is this more of a we need to just see it play out type thing? Is this just like speculation based upon what we know about guys? But we not always need going to see to it play out, but that's, yeah. that eliminates the fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually not as worried about Melo because I think you have it, just the way that they're playing. Like he's just not going to get the ball as much as he used yeah. to. Like he just can't. That's um, true. And in New York, they didn't have – two of the best mm-hmm. point guards in the league on his team That's true. to swipe the ball from him. So I actually in fact, think they it, had no point guards. The big one of the interesting <laughs> questions like what did Melo shoot on like 30 foot threes last year? I have to look this up. 30 foot threes? No, because of the way Houston plays with the, oh, 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 oh. with how they they sure. shoot such long threes. Like is Melo going to be able to do that as well as Ryan Anderson? He certainly is just as bad a defender, if not if not worse. Um, He's not as good a shooter as Ryan Anderson, though. Like, no, I think it's important to note Ryan Anderson is an elite NBA shooter, specifically from long range. Yeah, that's but like, there that's is like a more switch. There's more switch versatility, and Melo is really good at spot up threes. Mm-hmm. He just takes a lot of bad threes. That's right. Um, yeah, so I like, think there's a chance that could work out really well. It's just I think the other question is like the Harden D'Antoni thing. Like, mm-hmm. are they? Uh, what's going to happen when they're in a tough? Situation and it is it is true that like they Paul and Harden are going to play a lot separately. Mm-hmm. I'm just still I'm just still not sure what to make of that fit, and and that's why I think there's a chance that Oklahoma City 
maybe twenty percent is about right. Like, is a better regular season team, um, mm-hmm. just because the pieces fit really well there. Like that that team is going to be a lot of that. That should be a great defensive yeah. team. Yeah, they should. They should. All right, more deep. questions. They got a lot of good play. They got questions. a great wing. Okay, more, right, questions. more questions. We can't. We can't get too stuck. You're right. We'll have okay. another. Hey. That's a good place uh, for us to note that we'll be doing our team previews coming up in a few weeks, starting with the New Jersey Nets and Brooklyn work, Nets, Brooklyn New Jersey Nets. Nets, and working our way up to the uh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> to working our way up to uh, to the Golden State Warriors, we go from worst to first. Um, so check that out. We'll do a much more in depth Oklahoma City in depth Oklahoma City. Um, uh, preseason preview, uh, hopefully with some uh, league members. Who are we having for the Oklahoma City podcast? Uh, well, they have to find out that they're on the Oklahoma City eh. podcast first. So no one uh, says no to us, Mike. So I'll check a look at yes. I'll take a look at who we'd like to have and let's see. <laughs> that one's not gonna drop for a while. Yeah, though. yeah. That'll be the end of that. It'll probably be like late September. But anyhow, um, other questions we have now. So we got a couple good ones here. Mark um, Mark O'Donnell sent us this. This is more player specific. Mm-hmm. How good are these three as players instead of assets? So you tell me what you think here between Avery Bradley, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and Gary Harris. And where do they kind of sit in that shooting guard hierarchy of the league? Because these are all young names right now, some of which have a little more visibility because they were on better teams in Avery Bradley's case. Some are we know a little bit more right now about because of the contractual thing, uh, aspects KCP. in KCP. Well, and then there's Gary Harris, who has been rumored in trades but always has been too valuable for the Nuggets to trades. So it makes you think that he could be the guy that they value the most uh, of all their young assets there. So No, not Jokic. Other than Jokic. Um, <laughs> Well, I should say on the guards. Uh, they have a number well, of young guards. They also have Murray, and right. yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, so where, where do the, those three sit The KCP question is really interesting because what do you think about what Detroit did there? Where they said, okay, we are gonna we could have to pay him a lot of money. Rather than that, let's get Avery Bradley, who was a proven like, – ultimately, like KCP, like you want him to turn to Avery Bradley, right? I mean, right. that's the most likely outcome if he's not there already is that that's the kind of player he is. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not the shooter Avery Bradley is. He shot better this year, but he's not the play- – Bradley's not really a playmaker, but he's a better playmaker. One uh, guard's up a little better. The other guard's down a little better. What do you mean by that? Bigs. A KCP guards a small forward a little better than does he? Yeah, I mean he does. He's yeah. even in the Warriors games when he was you know when his name got brought into the limelight a little bit last year for how well he played defensively against uh, the Warriors. It's because he can switch a little bit more openly. Like Bradley is a really really good lockdown guard defender, and one of the reasons they were able to beat the Wizards was because he could play defense against Wall and against Beal, and I think that's going to be a massive missing point for 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 the Celtics in 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 theory because then also you're seeding that Marcus Smart will be taking those minutes right uh, they kind of have another guy to do that um yeah I I think Caldwell Pope is better guarding ones than I think that Mm -hmm. they're very similar in their style play I just I mean Bradley's a better player now because he's a more consistent shooter but Mm -hmm. I mean if yours the Pistons let's say Bradley has a good year and I, I think the Pistons got better yeah, this year making that swap. Although Marcus Morris is a pretty good player too, I think they'll miss him. Um, and they lost Baines too. Yeah, and Baines was actually those two played actually them. the best minutes together of any of their front court combinations. Yeah, Baines was actually pretty valuable last he year. He went to the Celtics also. Yeah, um, <laughs> but then you're gonna have to pay him a lot of money, and you're hoping that Caldwell Pope will grow into that type of player. I, what do you think? Like, who wants Caldwell Pope now? Uh, I mean, look, the market did not do him any favors. The no. Pistons didn't do him any favors. Um, I, I just I don't think know. it's he very interesting. In- we all thought it was a foregone conclusion they were just gonna give him what he wanted, and instead they didn't. Yeah, I, he's 24 years old. Contavious Caldwell Pope mm-hmm. um, puts him like a year younger than Dion Waiters. So we're on, on the same page here. 
this could be his season maybe to sign that one-year bet-on-myself contract with a team. He Which could, is a question could, that we got asked, by the way, okay. by Jake Whitaker. Oh, was that like, who's, who's the best bet to do the one-year Dion Waiters? Um, maybe it's Pope now. Um, yeah, but here's the problem, right? If he signs one year somewhere else, he runs into the problem that Waiters ran into, which is you need cap space to re-sign him. True. The other problem is that there's not a lot of cap space out there in 2018. Like It's really tightening up because the cap's not going to jump because yeah. he had that one huge jump. So let's say – I mean the, the the one place that he's been rumored is like L.A. for a sign like the one-year deal. L.A.'s not going to want to give him the balloon payment when they have other big fish. Right. And somewhere else is not going to have the cap space. So can anyone be the bet-on-yourself guy this year? Yeah. I mean that was another – that was Mark O'Donnell's follow-up question. Mark, thanks for these good questions. Um what will these three, you know, we didn't mention Gary Harris really at all, but what are the three contracts going to look like in the summer of 2018 now that teams won't have, the, the cap won't be ballooning, and there are a lot of contracts that were just uh, just had. Look, I look at that Redick one-year deal for the Sixers and think, that's a great deal. Because mm-hmm. we can make a decision on these three guys next year with all the space in the world. Assuming you have Fultz matures into the point guard you want, or, or Simmons is a point guard, and you're looking for your defensive smaller guard to guard other ones, those are three good options that are going to be at the Sixers' disposal, the Nets are going to have money to spend. Um, well, but why would the Nets sign one of those? What sign like Caldwell Pope if they could have I mean, gotten it this year? They shouldn't. Yeah. And I mean, also, the I'm Sixers just, have just to work. Of teams, the Sixers have, have Embiid's max coming up, right? Yeah, but he's going to take a uh, Embiid's going to take a nice cut for the team. He understands. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the dude that has had <laughs> a zillion foot injuries and like his NBA career is not secure is going to take less money. You see, he caught two <laughs> two balls at the home run derby last night. I did see that. That's awesome. I love that he's even there because yeah, now why is I just he in have Miami? expect. I mean. Why wouldn't he be in Miami? It's the off Why isn't he in, in uh, Vegas with his summer league team? Because because Joel Embiid is supposed to be at culturally relevant moments as a, a social media influencer. That's what he's supposed he's to be. preparing for his next career if his <laughs> knees don't work out. I mean, honestly, no one is better situated for that next career than Joel. He's, <laughs> he could be a stand-up comedian. Yeah. Um, Anyhow, and I, and just the picture of a baseball in his hand was just absurd. Yeah, I mean, um, I think to answer this question, yeah, sorry. Harris is the best player of the bunch. I think it's going to go best player, best contract. Yeah, I mean Harris Bradley. I think is going to get a good deal from Detroit. They didn't just trade him for one year. I'd hope. Like I, I think just, they have, they'll have bird rights on him. I bet he gets a good deal. And KCP, yeah. who knows? Like he might be left out in the cold. Harris is the youngest. We should say that too. Yeah, by, and by Harris is the best shooter. I think yeah. of the bunch. Although his percentages have been a little shaky sometimes. I think. And Harris, I think is the most the best all around player. I, yeah. I'm a big fan of his. He's going to make twenty million a year in his next deal. Probably he shot fifty percent from the field last year. He's a really underrated yeah, yeah. good player. Yeah. Um, cool. Let's uh, let's move on to another question here. So that, those were those were good. Those three are interesting players. Let's go on to uh, Courtney Kennedy here. Asks uh, and Mike, you might have some stronger thoughts than me on this. What's been the most overrated move of this offseason? The one that like it went across the ticker on ESPN and it was spoken about, or or it was like mentioned as like this is going to be a needle mover, but in actuality, Mike, you don't huh. think it really matters. That's a good and question. It's just not a big deal whatsoever. What is the most overrated move? That's a good question. Like, yeah. like in terms of, I, I I always have trouble with these because I have trouble <laughs> measuring what is proper. What is yeah, like, like who rated rate, it? Like yeah, 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 where are the ratings uh, for it? Um, like I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, Tucker uh, moved from from Toronto. Oh, right? you're talking like the veteran move that everyone's super yeah. It's like this about. is going to be the needle, but then, and really it turns out the guy plays like 15, 20 minutes a game. Yeah. Oh, like the mid-level type of. Yes. Yes. Not I mean, like, that could totally happen with like Pat Patterson, but sure. I mean, that was a good contract. Um, that was overrated. <laughs> this is a tricky. You can see we did a lot of prep for this guy. Yeah. So, I uh, just I'm not quite okay. sure like where to um, 
set the market for this. Let's see. Like I can tell you the most overrated. I mean, player. Tim Hardaway Jr. is the most overrated contract. That yeah, was given. that was an but, absurd contract. Well, is that overrated or is that properly rated terribly? No, that's been properly <laughs> rated terribly. Yeah, I guess it depends on what, what angle you're looking yeah. at here. I'm um, not sure. Like, okay, so the Timberwolves loaded up on Tibbs people, and then Jeff Teague, <laughs> right? And now they got Jamal Crawford. <laughs> Like Tibbs people and Jeff Teague. By the way, Jeff Teague couldn't be more of a not Tibbs guy uh, in terms of his career arc yeah. as being a selfish, okay, non-hustling point guard. But yeah, so <laughs> those moves, like, there's a sense of like these are good vets to help them. There's mm-hmm. also a sense of oh, Tibbs bringing the band back together. Like, I'm not sure like how like they're getting Jimmy Butler and they have Carl Towns and that's why they're going to be awesome next year. But I don't know if like their actual free agent moves are going to change. The calculus for them. I think that Teague much. might be a good overrated move. I think an underrated move is probably the idea that or I don't even know if it's, it wasn't free agency, but um, Marco Rubio going to Marco, Marco, Ru- Rubio. Marco Rubio from the New Jersey Nets. Marco Rubio. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can see where oh my, my head's at today as the breaking news. So Ricky Rubio. So Ricky Rubio on Utah is an interesting move. Um, oh, I know. Uh, overrated move. I uh, I don't think Gallinari in L.A. is going to be a really good fit. The Clippers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just don't really see. He's a four, basically. They have Jordan and Griffin. Well, anytime you can you can uh, pair another guy who misses 45 games a year with injuries with mm-hmm. a guy coming off of missing half a season with injuries, you got to do it. Yeah, you got to do it. You got to do it. Um, I'm also, I also think the, the Heat are really going to regret this summer. Um, as but, a team, all those moves were – they placed them in that 14 through 17 range in terms of the pick they'll have every each, year. <laughs> well, they also – I mean, they're losing their picks, or some of them, to Phoenix. But it's right. also – each individual one of those moves I think is fine. It's the collection of the three of them together where it's like – Maybe they just got the message from Hayward saying, no, like they can't get these free agents anymore. And it is true also that like Tyler Johnson's contract has a huge balloon, so they weren't going to have cast space anyway in mm-hmm. the future. So maybe that's why. And like Kelly Olenek for $12 million a year if he's – or $12.5 million or, or no, $14.5 million. Fourteen right? and a half. Yeah, if he, if he signs that with another team, it kind of is like okay. But I don't know. I just think it's – like – they're gonna pay James Johnson at thirty four, like fifteen million a year. Like James Johnson had one good year in his career. That was last year. Yeah, and he's like a, a pretty not one dimensional, but he's not gonna. No, be, he's not one dimensional. He's never gonna be an all star. And you're giving him. I guess he's you're paying him like the best type of role player you can put your contract on, which he's a pretty good role player. Right. I think it's yeah. just the sum of it. Like now that's their team, and they're gonna be. I yeah. guess they're fine being like kind of a nice team. Like they're Johnson probably gonna be good. Good before though, he was good on. Uh, was it Memphis? He had a couple seasons where he was tight. He had like one half yeah. season where he was good, and then yeah. the rest of it, then last year when he lost thirty something pounds, yeah. and yeah. then that's that's pretty much it. I mean, that speaks to Spolster though. I mean, maybe part of this is uh, Pat Riley projecting what Spo is going to get from these guys because you know look what they did last year no one thought they would they would do do you think they can go like that 30 11 and 11 pace no they won't do 30 11 for full season but with a full season of playing at a better clip than they started out with last year they could for sure be like i don't know what the fifth seed in the east yeah no they could be (laughs) that's on the table for sure yeah Um, i just but that's like they they don't have much flexibility and i don't think they have a ton of tradable assets um i'm curious what winslow and richardson look like those are kind of the two swing players for them well speaking of tradable assets um i'm gonna screw up your name here so sorry paul kajak kayak kajak something like that um thanks for the question here do you see the suns trading bledsoe if yes what is his value interesting question i'm a little surprised they haven't yet so Bledsoe had a great year last year. I yeah. don't think people realize how good a year he had. He's still only, uh, what, 27, 28? Let me check out his age. Uh, he's not old. 
I think point guards take a little bit while. The question with him is always his injuries, but he stayed healthy last year until they shut him down to uh, rest, quote-unquote, him uh, by the end of the year, right. which it, he was not happy about. Uh, yeah, he's he's going to turn 28 in December, so he's not old. Point guards, I think, take a little while to develop. Like I think I'm surprised some of these teams didn't try to get him mm-hmm. because I think Phoenix is obviously going through a rebuild. Uh, they might still keep him around. He has a decent, pretty good contract. Uh, two more years left. Um, Where would you see him going? Like, what, what are some teams you were surprised that did not go for him? Yeah, I, it's a little tough to say just because everybody has a point guard. That's, some, yeah. that's I think, one of the other interesting stories of the summer is that everybody's kind of realizing that, like, at, the, at first it was like, oh, we got to all have point guards, right. and point guard's such an important position. But now it's like – it's not that hard to put up numbers as a point guard in this NBA. So, like, there's just all these interchangeable players. And so you have this weird situation where these teams feel like they're set at point guard, but then there are also these good point guards just kind of laying around. Um, like, George Hill didn't get him, have a market. Um, yeah. Uh, the Knicks probably could use Bledsoe. I think that would be a good fit there. I guess they still could do it, but I'd much rather trade for Bledsoe than give Tim Hardaway Jr. $71 million. <laughs> um, that's great. I think maybe uh, I don't think Minnesota could have done this, but like I think Minnesota would have been a really interesting fit for him. He's a little ball dominant, not a great shooter. Maybe it wasn't the best fit. Um, you know, I'm just I'm trying to look at some of these other teams because I mean this is the problem. Everybody kind of has a good point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that Chicago is not trying to win, but they could use him. Indiana is also could use him, but um, they're not. I don't think they should be trying to win. Um, Indiana does not know what they're doing right now. They never rebuild market. Can never rebuild. Uh, I feel for our, our, our Pacers uh, fans who were on our last <laughs> uh, on our last podcast. Um, yeah, those ladies love the Pacers, and I feel badly for the entire um, yeah. fan base. Orlando is a team that I think could use Bledsoe. Uh, there was some talk of Denver trading for Bledsoe. I think that would be interesting. Although I think he's a little yeah. Denver, sure. <laughs> Utah could have traded for him. I don't think he's a great fit for Utah's style of play. I mean, so at, at this point, they have Mitchell, who's sort of kind of going to try to be a Bledsoe. Right. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, um, yeah. Well, uh, speaking of Utah, um, Ali Chin Bashian, and I'm going to screw up everyone's name. So, again, thank you for these questions. <laughs> I, I literally just called uh, um, Rubio Marco Rubio. And so, I mean, we're, having a day, we're having a day here. I'm having some moments. Yeah, I guess um, um, I guess. He kind of switches teams and switches yeah. all the time. Yeah. Marco Rubio. But like Ricky Rubio is not little Marco. He's, he's like <laughs> six six. Um having said that, okay. Um are the Jazz still a playoff team, Mike? They took a huge hit there, but they also made some interesting moves and they might have a you know a sleeper best pick in the NBA draft this past year. So you're a Donovan um, Mitchell fan. You like him. Oh, I like I like Donovan Mitchell um, on our previous podcast with Ricky here when we did the uh, mm-hmm. the preview for the draft. We we all liked Mitchell. I'm you know, he stood out on a Louisville team that was a little uh, young, not quite as good as they were in years past, and he did so against some other pretty elite guards uh, in the ACC last year, and he does it from being more physical. Yeah, he's um, got he's got people bounce off him. He's a little yeah, bit he's like like strong, when, when Deion Waiters drives, it's sort of like that. Yeah, too. although like, Deion Waiters can't ever finish. Yeah, but he Mitchell can finish. Mitchell's also yeah, he's a decent shooter. He, he still takes shoot. kind of bad shots, but he's he's a he's a better shooter. Um, Super strong. He's explosive. Um, has a little bit of like smart meets Bledsoe, meets Waiters. Which, those which are all interesting comps. Those types of players always do play well in summer league, yeah. and we get too excited about them. But sure. yeah, but, but yeah. like mixing that with with Rubio uh, and Exum, like those are three very different guards. None of which are great shooters, but they're all different types of athletic, different types of point, different types of like slash two. Um, 
Well, what do you think? Do you think they're a playoff team? No. You don't think I don't. so? I don't. All right, let's go through the teams, right? So we, we have Noah, it's obviously Golden State, Houston, San Antonio, Oklahoma City. Uh, Minnesota is probably in the picture now. Uh, you got to think about Denver with Millsap and Jokic as part of the picture. Uh, the Clippers are still in the mix. Uh, you the Mavs are going to be in the mix, man. Well, are they? Yeah, just, I mean, the Mavs are going mean, to be I in like the mix just as much as the Jazz. I don't think that's true. No, I disagree with that. I mean, they're. Utah won 51 games last year with a lot of injuries, sure, and they sure. lost, obviously, a very important player. Dallas was a 30-something win team. Agreed, but Dallas also started off horrendously, brought in a bunch of guys like Yogi Ferrell and, and Seth Curry, guys who weren't even NBA players but who wanted to play in Carlisle's system. Plus, you know, I'm assuming they're going to re-sign Neurons Noel. Yeah, and now those guys look good, yeah. Ferrell. Yeah, I think it's— And, and Smith, also, could, Dennis yeah. Smith could really change— Change the game a little bit. Yeah, he, looks, he looks great. Yeah, he does. Of course, <laughs> rookie point guards. I, I don't. I'm, I'm tossing D- Dallas. Okay, fine. Okay, There's Portland. Right. Don't forget about yeah. Portland. Who? Um, well, it feels like you just created a bucket of and, and New wanna, Orleans. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I am not high on, but you are much <laughs> higher. And we got a few New Orleans questions. Yeah, to yeah. To. I want to find uh, a couple of these mellow questions. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, New Orleans questions. Yeah, um, and then there's Memphis, who you can never count out. So yeah. I mean, there's a lot of competition, but I think. You, so you, you say no. I say yes because Rio Bear is that good. Yeah. And he makes everybody better. They, as good as Hayward is, they have, if Rodney Hood can stay healthy, which is a big question. He Huge didn't question. really play healthy. Yeah. Stay healthy. And they have Ingles still and Joe Johnson. They have a lot of what Hayward did. Not all of what yeah. Hayward did on the roster, but a lot. I would also say that, like, Rubio, I think in that system might be really good. Sure. Um, good coach. Great coach. GM who would make a move if they need to. They still have cap space left. Nope. I haven't used it. Um, no. I, I think they're still a playoff team. Okay. I would probably take them over. I'd put them right in the Minnesota. Um, not Maybe not. Well, I'm, I'm a little lower in Minnesota. I'm not sure about. But uh, I put them in the Portland-Denver uh, bracket probably mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and maybe Minnesota. So uh, a, a fight for that seven. I mean, seven eight's going to be – an enthralling yeah. full season long. I mean, they're, they're better than Memphis, I think. I think they're better than the Clippers. I, I don't really like that roster construction. I mean, they they did well to recover from mm-hmm. Paul, and I, I'm not that high in how that team. I don't. I just don't think they're that that great. Sure. Um, well, we'll see. I mean, look, I'm uh, not high in New Orleans, and I think Dallas is not quite there yet. So I think Utah will be there. All right. There you go. Um, Six, seven, eight seed. Let's get to some um, Demarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis questions. Um, again, Powell. Paul uh, Kayak here, Kajak. Um, what Anthony Davis, Demarcus Cousins combo? Okay, I'm gonna start that over. So, why is this combo expected to fail by so many? And how many New Orleans games did people watch last season? Because he's what he's saying is, after a few games into that relationship, they started to play better. And the second did part, they? Uh, this is, I mean, and the second part of that question is. Uh, what do you think of all this? And I'm quoting here: bullshit speculation about Anthony Davis to Celtics. Give uh. AD and DMC a full preseason and season together. See if Demarcus. <laughs> take a look at Demarcus Cousins' Instagram. He is slim. Is yeah, what we we have say here. this every damn year. <laughs> like, oh, let's see if he gets in shape. Here's the problem: we can't wait for a full season because Cousins is in his free agent year. That's the problem with making that trade. Like, yeah. they that was always had the problem with it. That. I mean, look, they got him for very little. Like, I wouldn't say no, don't make the trade. But there is no time to for an adjustment period, you know? There is no time for them to get comfortable with each other. Like, they're on the clock. Yeah. And nobody is saying that they're going to trade Anthony Davis now. That would be ridiculous. But 
I think this happened with the Bucks as well. There's that whole kerfuffle with uh, Woj saying that, yeah, that Giannis, Giannis is on the clock and Bucks fans freaking out. Like the second you sign one of these great players to their second contract, you know, the Wizards with John Wall is the same thing. Paul George, he's not on the paces anymore. Like you're on the clock with these guys. Yeah. Um, that's just the deal. And if you're a team that's going nowhere and has not done anything, I mean, the Pelicans, what's the best case scenario for this pairing? I, I, you, uh, you're higher on them than I am. Well, I, I'm not, I mean, not even sure that's incredibly accurate. I don't think they're a playoff team. I think the West may probably be a playoff team in the East. Um, I guess what I'm trying to get at here is if there's ever going to be a way to uh, make these two work together, the the uh, the rubber meets the road immediately because of what you just said because of that to. free agency. So yeah. we're either going to see that it works right away and it's going to be something quite interesting and maybe unprecedented when it comes to two guys that big with that much skill actually working together. They re-signed Drew, which was important. Um, yeah, you know, but Holiday, Holiday didn't play that well. After well, Holiday, that. let's give last season a little bit of a pass for Drew. He had other things on his mind. He missed the beginning. Who knows what type of training he was doing last off season? Right. Well, Lots I'm saying he happening. was good until they made the trade, and then he was not as good after yeah. the trade, though. Yeah. So I, I think that's an interesting. Like, do those pieces actually fit? They still have nothing on the wing. Yeah, I mean, they've because of those two together, they don't have anything else really. Um, that's true. They have nothing on the wing. I mean, maybe they still have their mid-level. Maybe they can, but I don't even know who's yeah. really there for them to sign. I think it's more just like if you're a New Orleans fan, you just don't want to hear this speculation. I understand. And I, and I get that. Like, but, like, it's – your team is not done well so far. Yeah. You are, you're in this, like, really high-pressure year because yeah. of his walk year. Like, what happens if that team starts poorly? You know, which by the way, they've done the last like how many years in a row? Yeah, they've done that ever since their playoff. What maybe not that poor? What if they're like again playoff eleven? Was three years ago, they first, made playoffs. I guess and yeah, yeah, three years ago, and then they've been off to these brutally terrible starts yeah. the last two years. Yep. I mean, what happens if they're eleven and sixteen and it's Christmas? Right. What are you doing with cousins? Like, you don't really have much more time for them to work together. Yeah. Well, then it becomes what's the market for cousins? Like, if this guy didn't work when he had his own team in Sacramento being built around him, and if it didn't work when you paired him with a transcendent guy who yeah, you'd so. think would cover up a lot of his flaws, yeah. Then it becomes like, well, who's the coach? What's the team that's going to make the most sense for him? And that's that's a big decision because right. he changes the culture and the on court play of your right. team. And I. Pelicans and not in a culture in a negative way off the court. I'm not, I don't know the guy, and, I, right, and from right. what it sounds like, like he has good relationships with players and negative ones with players and, and GMs and coaches, et cetera. But what I'm saying is you have to adjust what you're doing for him. It's not like we'll just weave in DeMarcus Cousins right. into what we're doing. Um, yeah, I mean, and it sounds like we're being really harsh on the Pelicans. The only reason I bring up, like, what if it goes bad is that I think there's just so much pressure on them to make it work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what is success for them? Like, what is what? What do you need? They need to show next year that's realistic to be able to say that this is like what we want and everyone's sure, happy. Sure. Um, I mean, it's the ultimate zig and zag move. They were like, oh, the league is going space and pace and wings and guards. Mm-hmm. Let's get the two best big men. <laughs> you know, and like, yeah. And so it's. it's a <laughs> I move. think the strategy was, wow, they really only want to trade <laughs> in for Buddy Heald and a first round pick. <laughs> like, I don't think there was really yeah. much else to it. They're on the next flight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but. And then it, if it doesn't work this way, I mean, Davis, look, the second you sign a guy to a second contract, you're on the mm-hmm. clock. you got to mm-hmm. build a really good team around him. And if you see all these stars now teaming up, if, if they can't yeah. do that, they're running out of time and they're running out of ways. And 
of course the rumors are going to start. And then you're in this devil's bargain as a franchise. Do you let him walk, let him go for nothing, or trade him for something? And right. if you're you wait too long, like the Pacers did, you might not get much back. Yeah. So unfortunately, that's where nobody is saying that Davis is available now. It's just the, we're kind of forecasting like what's the next star to be in this sort of big yeah. stuck process. And look, the same thing may happen to Giannis. And if the Wizards play poorly this year, the same thing may happen to Wall if he doesn't. Sign the designated player. Yeah. Um, it's just a fact of life when you have these great players. Well, and on that note, I'm glad you brought that up. Lindy, friend of the pod here, gave us a good question. Um, DeMarcus Cousins, Paul George, and Butler all got traded for what would presume to be peanuts here, right? We just talked about the, mm-hmm. the haul for, for DeMarcus Cousins. Are teams changing the way they evaluate superstar value? Or were these just three weird cases because of the circumstance of time and the, you know, the, the cap and all these different things kind of coming to a perfect storm? I think they're generally three weird cases. I mean, the Bulls have never valued Butler um, as they should have, so that, I think, explains that. stupid on their part. Yep. Yeah, obviously Cousins had a lot of stuff going on. And George, I think, was we talked about the George situation yeah. last time. Um, so I don't know if it's really a, a sign of anything more than three unique cases. But I do, I do think it's interesting and from the perspective of this whole designated player thing. I mean, these are three guys that we are kind of – what the rule is built for. Yeah, yeah and that's right. ultimately, I guess, Cousins and George didn't, and I guess Butler would have been able to get it, and I guess the Bulls were skittish about paying that much money. That, that's the ultimate, like, oh, unintended consequences thing. It's like, now these owners are saying, like, wait, we got to pay this guy how much money? <laughs> and it's like, now that's a problem? Like, what did you guys want? Right, right. Um, the Pacers and, and Kings, the Kings had the same problem. They just looked at that and it's like, wow, we don't want to pay that much money to him. Right. And then George, I think they just didn't want to wait. I mean, the Paul George situation, the other two had been like a slow roll. Like there had been momentum building for something to happen for DeMarcus Cousins' future with Sacramento. Right. For years. Yeah. And speculation on trades for years. Jimmy Butler for almost an entire season. The Paul George stuff was an avalanche. That was like a real quick hitting, hey, Paul George is going to try to leave. He wants to go to the Lakers. We should try to trade him. Bap, he's gone. I think if you were really paying attention, it was somewhere between an avalanche and a um, sort of slow roll. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about what what's, that, what's a small avalanche. I don't know. Yeah, like what's like a you could hear the mountain rumbling. Yeah, uh, if you really pay attention, even if nothing was happening. Sure, um, it was sort of with the way the team was being built and with his future and yeah. some of this other stuff. Um, I think if you asked our Whitney and Caitlin, they would say that this actually didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah. But I understand yeah. where you're like the trade itself was very decisive. Yes. Um, yes. So I I would say probably. No, this isn't like a new paradigm. Um, I'm just very curious to see how this designated player rule gets applied in the future. Do these players mm-hmm. sign up for that? I mean, Harden did, but that's a good team. Mm-hmm. Why would he want to leave the Rockets? I mean, I think that they, the John Wall case will be very interesting. Um, what happens to Giannis in Milwaukee in the future? I think will be very interesting if they if they can can they build the team they want around him or in. Is he going to show them some loyalty because they yeah. were able to find him? And if not, like, what's his market? Davis is a really interesting one to yeah, kind of I look mean, at. Those two, I don't even want to speculate on this now because the market for a, a Giannis or an a Anthony Davis will be unprecedented. The, the, the type of game-changing youth and ultimately their unfinished products, like, you don't know how great the player is you're getting. Well, the market would be like that right now, but what if the Pelicans, yeah. like, hold him until it's the trade deadline before his walk year and he said he wants to go somewhere else? That'd be, yeah. So what is it, the market? Yeah. What would the market – why would – We need wh- David starting to step in then. <laughs> <laughs> like, but it's – but that's what happened to George, right? Yeah. His market was cool because of this whole Lakers thing. Yep. Um, well, and, and I think also – 
I think part of it was the, the similar players to his skill set that were also available. I mean, so, he happened to become an available commodity at the same time that Jimmy Butler and Hayward were also being spoken of. That's possible that you know, had a played a role as well. A little bit of that. But um, all right, let's get to the last. Um, if there's three questions here I wanted to hit on. Um, I won't get to the William Johnson question about Ben Simmons being a point guard for fantasy drafts, although I will say this, buddy, I do a lot of fantasy basketball. If it's a non-percentage league and just points, take Ben Simmons. He's going to rack up the box score in a traditional sense. If it's a percentage league, you might want to stick to a more traditional point guard who's going to shoot better from three and have a better two percentage uh, as well and free throws. I knew nothing about fantasy, so thanks for— That's a fantasy basketball moment for you there. Um, But, yeah, I think Ben Simmons will be an interesting fantasy basketball player for sure. Um, Okay. Trey House asks us this. Thoughts on playoff seeding 1 through 16 and realignment. Mm. Can we make Ziller's pod plan happen? So can you do you want me to review what the pod plan yeah, is? Quick, um, quick, you know, let me uh, go elevator on the pod plan and then actually. <laughs> pod, we'll talk about the pod plan on the pod. On the pod. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah, pod squared. Um, all right. And then the second part of that is what's the next evolution in the NBA? How do teams go and combat the uh, pace and space offenses? Uh, and guys spotting up from 26 feet. So first, if you could talk me through that 1 through 16, buddy. And then I'm going to tap, screw the evolution thing we just talked about. Uh, I just asked. Forget that space and pace question. You asked me before the podcast, Mike. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How much? Uh, let's let's Here's yeah. the pod okay. idea, right? Yeah. So instead of having the big problem with uh, going 1 through 16 is that the East and West teams do not play equal schedules. Um, because they play the teams in their conference more than they play teams in the other conference. Yep. Um, so they need to fix the to any sort of change you make to the one through sixteen. As if you want to be fair, has got to be made with that in mind. Um, Tom's idea was to sort of have five regions of six teams, and it, within those regions, those teams play each other uh, a lot more. Um, that you have like kind of immediate hub that you play five times um, with really each so that's ten games the other three teams in your region four times and then everybody from there's three games from like teams in two other regions than two so basically like you end up kind of it's a little bit more of a baseball-ish system um, where you play a little more within your sort of division um, and that might reduce travel and then after that's all done you see one to sixteen yep and we're going to link well, when we put this pot up on our platform, we'll, we'll link that so you guys have yeah. a, better, a better idea. You can read it out. <laughs> but um, so, Mike, that, the second question here, though, is uh, well, first off, do you like that idea? And then, secondly, I think it's, it's the best that we've got so far because yeah. it solves the scheduling problem. Agreed. Um, and the second part of that is, Mike, if you are a Western Conference fringe team like we just talked about, oh, yeah. you're Denver, you're Portland, you're Utah, you're Memphis, you're the Clippers, I mean, like basically half the Western Conference. What would you trade to get to the Eastern Conference? That's, this is a great question. Okay, what do you? All right, so if you're um, you're Denver, yeah. yeah, you have a you're see, desperately seeking relevancy, desperately. Yeah, you've had how many years of not making the playoffs? Uh, uh, too many, and you have really good young talent. You have good young talent. You have a market that kind of is sleepy when you're not that good. So relevancy is really important. It would help your revenues to get playoff games. Um, it would help your perception. I mean, think of it. I think about those the Wizards a lot. Like the perception of that team really turned around last year, and it yeah. was great, and they earned it. But if they're in the West, like it's not necessarily the same. Like there's a big difference between oh, making yeah. one game from the conference finals and, yes. and, and that, not. And then that changes. Like, do I get to resign my star player? Is he going to ask to go somewhere else? Like right. all these things are trickle down from the ability to make the playoffs. Right, and go far, go and advance go far, around yeah. in the playoffs. Because yeah. if you're Denver, I mean, what what seed would Denver be in the East? 
next year, you think? They could compete for that four. With uh, with who like Washington, Toronto, yeah, with like Washington, Toronto, Milwaukee, Miami. Miami, yeah, yep. Okay, like so they're, they're probably better right now than Milwaukee. I'm probably Miami. Yeah, I mean, do you think they're better than Toronto and Washington? I think they're right on their level, they're right about there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and I think Washington is a little better than Toronto. To, you know, so there's that. But Toronto made some nice moves this summer. CJ Miles yeah. is a really good addition. That was a terrific signing. I just hope DeRozan's okay with him shooting. But that's okay. You know, we can we can talk about that article, the the column that came out on the inner strife between the Raptors when it came to playoff time. Did you read it? No, I didn't see this. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, anyway, we'll, All right, we'll talk for about another pod. For the Raptors team preview. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so Denver, I think, would really benefit from So would you trade a good player? <laughs> would I mean, this you, is the Would you trade a first-round cha- draft pick? Like, what would you trade? I would, I would trade at least one first-round draft pick to switch to conferences, yeah. yeah. If you're Denver. Like, what, what if I had to ask for every other year? For the next four years, so you're going to give away, say it starts on the first year, you're going to, or for the next five years, you're going to give away three first-round draft picks, but intermittently have a first-round draft pick. You have okay, a young so it's core. like the Stepien rule, so yes, it's three a of the next six years. It is years. the Stepien rule, basically, okay. at play, and you have to abide by that to trade to whomever you're switching roles with. So now you you have the Knicks, for example. The Knicks have no illusions of making the playoffs in the East well, next year. Well, they shouldn't, at least. Well, hear me out. They have no illusions of making the playoffs <laughs> next year in the East, and they would never make it in the West, but they desperately need the ability to have assets so they can create a team to build around their yeah, young see, core. See, I feel like Brooklyn would be a great example of a great trade partner. Like, right. Brooklyn would probably be totally cool switching conferences. Like, sit out in the West for five, six years. Yeah. <laughs> Brooklyn would be great at this. Or, like, Atlanta. Like, all these teams yeah. are rebuilding. Atlanta, yeah. Chicago. Like, yeah. I actually think there would be a market between these two. This this is an interesting thing. We should. Yeah. We should uh, so if you're if you're the the Nuggets, would you trade? I mean, Gary Harris is probably too much of a price to give up, right? Would it? Yeah, it probably would be. Yeah. Okay. Would you trade? It's um, not even true though. I mean, in my head, I, after I even said, so it, you would probably, trade like, Gary Harris probably. to switch conferences. I mean, you're guaranteeing yourself, not guaranteeing yourself, but you're like you're going from maybe we'll make the playoffs and we're gonna have to fight tooth and nail to the last game of the season with four other teams to. We're gonna host a first round playoff game probably. Like that's even that without is, Gary Harris. Yeah. Well. well yeah. Yeah. So that's ah, the thing. Yeah. Okay. But so then, how many years are you switching conferences? For? <laughs> yeah. The, that's the other thing. I like, think you'd be to do it in three year increments. Or what if you could trade less to switch only for one year, but you mm. would trade more to switch for multiple years? Hmm. So well, let's, it, get, let's get. Uh, let's get. Uh, this might Adam need to Silver be its own this, pod and, this. This might be its own podcast. Yeah. Topic. yeah Maybe we'll so do too. that later. All this right. Week. Let's let's end with this real quick. Um, give me a sleeper in the East who uh, is going to be an all star that you just Ooh. wouldn't expect. Given that we're going to see some new all stars <laughs> in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> yeah. This coming season. That's a good. Wait, do you want to like predict the twelve all stars in the East? Let's do. I, that was sure. another question we sure. got. Yeah, um, I'm sorry from for not a fan of. Yes. Yes. Which I hope you're a fan of us. <laughs> um, all right. So let's look at last year's team and who's who's left real quick. Um, NBA all stars. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, why you look East. for that? I'll tell you that. Um, Joel Embiid's going to be an all star next year. Well, if he's, um, if he's healthy, likely. Um, okay. So last year's team was so Giannis is going to be an all star. LeBron is going to be an all-star. DeMar DeRozan is a, is maybe a star, all-star. Uh, Kyrie Irving is going to be an all-star. Kyle Lowry is going to be an all-star. Isaiah Thomas and John Wall are probably going to be all-stars. How many is that? Six, seven. Whatever. Okay. Hayward will be an all-star. Yeah, well, maybe we do it by position, right? So mm-hmm. there, let's say you get six guards. So the six guards they made last year, Kyrie, DeRozan, Lowry, Isaiah, Kemba, and John Wall, they probably all can make it again. Yeah, I think that's not a – 
out of the question at all. Yeah, they could totally <laughs> so all make probably it. all your all stars. So the forwards: Giannis, Jimmy Butler, and LeBron. Obviously, Butler is no mm-hmm. longer starting. Um, Carmelo is not going to be an all star. Paul George is not going to be a West All Star. <laughs> Paul Millsap. So there are a lot of forward spots opening. Yeah. Uh, let's say we consider front, Hay- front court players, right? Yeah. So let's say we need six of those. Um, so Hayward would be one. Porzingis, I think, will have a better year in NBA. So yeah, Hayward, Porzingis, Giannis, LeBron. I mean, look, we're not Kevin Love still going to be an All Star. He yeah, he was pretty good last year. Um, then then Embiid, and that's your team. And that's your team, yeah. I mean, but is there anyone else that could be in in the mix uh, among those? Miles players? Turner could could potentially okay. Um, he could potentially throw his name in there for sure, especially because he'll be featured now with Indiana. Yeah, I think there's got to be someone in Miami that's going to get thrown in the mix because they're going to be good. I mean, look, Dragic, if he plays the way he did in the back half last year in the front half, he could easily take a guard spot there from, like, Kemba, right. maybe. Deion Waiters? <laughs> maybe White in a side? perfect world, Deion Waiters is the fan vote or whatever yeah. it is uh, and, and makes it. Um, you have to consider Bradley Beal as well. I think he's For sure. Oh, Beal and Whiteside are definitely guys who could, could be All-Stars next year. Whiteside, okay. Um, you said Turner. Do you think any... Uh, other than Embiid, is any Sixer? I, what do you think? Like any Piston player will have a bounce back year? Probably not. Um, <laughs> the East is geez. really reaching here just to make an All Star team. Yeah, God, that's geez. terrible. Well, the West is going to be the exact opposite. There's going to be like 15 guys that don't make it who are going to be like speculative third team All NBA players. Yeah. Um, All right. So, okay, who do you think is okay most surprise? Like kind of a random All Star mm-hmm. to answer this person's question uh, from the East. Yeah. Who's like a sleeper pick? You said. Do you think? You, would you say Miles Turner? Yeah, Miles Turner was my Miles sleeper. Turner. Okay. And I, I mean, that might not be a sleeper. He'll be the best player on his team most likely. Just like but, a surprising All Star. Surprise All-Star. He's also going to be like 21 years old this year, yeah. so he'll be a kid. Um, he's, someone proposed Aaron Gordon. Yes, yes. I, I think that. was his proposal, and that is interesting. Oh, that would assume Aaron Gordon's minutes and role get yeah. more, even though they just drafted a guy who in theory might take some from him. And, 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 uh, we'll play together, I hope. I, 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 look, I have... Guessing what Orlando is going to do is the hardest thing in all of, in all of uh, sports <laughs> yeah. journalism here. So, uh, so I won't even get too into that. But Aaron Gordon's an interesting one. Someone who has a Aaron ceiling Gordon. of all star for sure, but hasn't really gotten there yet. I mean, guess mm-hmm. that's what we're looking for. Um, mm-hmm. uh, man, yeah, there's there's nothing on the Nets. Uh, there's maybe like uh, uh, Chris Middleton. Someone yeah. like that. Maybe from, if Middleton's healthy, full year healthy, I should say. Yeah, um, I don't know if people would people consider Beal like a sleeper all-star. I feel like no. I mean, Beal's one of the best two guards in the NBA. So yeah. whether or not he's been an all-star, an all-NBA player yet is almost, you know, besides the point, he he likely will be an I mean, I could see him having as good, if not better, of an all-around basketball season, all-around, you know, defense included in, than Isaiah next year. But it doesn't mean he's going to get the all-star spot over him. Right. Um, and that's those are two different uh, right. sides of the coin. Um yeah, I mean, look, the, the East is um, – we're going to see a lot of young names that people don't know of who maybe were like f- second team Big 12 at Baylor who are now going to become household names Torian for Prince. the – Exactly. Well done. Were you actually for, thinking – For the Hawks, it? I was thinking of Torian Prince because Torian Prince was good last no, year. No, Torian Prince is good. <laughs> but he's good in the context of he's a great role player for a team who has literally no stars now. Mm-hmm. Um, like – that, so these, you know, these still be fun to to see who emerges um, as the next crop because there's always this is a next man up league in a lot of ways. I mean, look at look at the guard situation in Dallas to reference it again, but they didn't have any men to put up, and then they found two guys to not only play for them, but you know, Farrell and Curry were really good for them. Um, it's, yeah. it's it's a situation. Oh, Dallas is a fun team. Um, I, I might be a little drunk on summer league thinking that they're a playoff race, but maybe <laughs> we both are. No, they're a fun team. We'll, we'll do our summer league uh, recap next week, and I'll do my whole rant on Caleb Tarzuski. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's actually a good time to, to mention this. Um, we're going to do probably one, maybe another pod this week, but probably not. And then one more next week. And then we're going to take a couple weeks yeah. to de- decompress uh, as the season ends. And we're going to then jump right in with our team previews with our um, – SB Nation friends, uh, starting with the Nets. Yeah. Uh, those will be pretty consistent. I think you guys really liked them last year. Uh, we're looking to do a couple of those a week leading up into the season. We'll do all 30 teams. Um, that we, You should enjoy that. But, yeah, so we're winding down for this year, though. This You probably won't hear from us too much until those team previews begin. We're looking August 1st is kind of the first of those. Yeah. So. Um, so we get an off season. So like we, actually, I do. Mike doesn't get an off season. Um, I get an this is not what I do for a living. Um, that's you know, Mike is the one who has to work hard and do like you know the cutting edge stuff. <laughs> this you know when when news breaks, which happens basically every fifteen minutes in the NBA off season, uh, mm-hmm. Mike has to be on top of that. So even though you won't necessarily hear from this podcast, uh, limited upside that is, you can be able to find Mike on SBNation.com backslash NBA and Tim and Christian and all the guys you know from this podcast and Whitney etc. Working hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not to Although say there I, won't I, be NBA, NBA yeah. content, Mike. Come on. Yeah, I'm but I'm going away in July. <laughs> I'm going away. You're going away. Yeah, even Mike takes away. vacations. The hardest working man at SB Nation uh, takes a vacation yeah, here Everybody should. I know. But all right, cool. This is great. Thanks again to all of our listeners and everyone who follows us on the uh, social platforms here. These questions were great. Obviously, it led to like a 55-minute podcast. So that alone speaks for itself in terms of the quality uh, uh, that we get from our from our listeners. So we really appreciate that. I'm Ben, that's Mike, this is the Limited Upside Podcast. 